for the Habs, the Rangers, and the Bruins. But in our books, the last two don't count. Off the Cuff with Chris Knuckles Nylon on TSN 690. Welcome back to Off the Cuff. Knuckles here with you. Yes, sir. Coming to you live from Tarasvo Droy. My boy, Matty O'Han, on the board today uh, at TSN. We're going to head now down to uh, Florida, Tampa Bay, to be exact. And uh, our next guest uh, loves fighting, uh, fighting in hockey. Uh, he misses it so much. Uh, he uh, started a podcast called Five for Fighting. Uh, you can uh, hear it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and he also has a web, uh, a, a site on Facebook, Five for Fighting Podcasts. Uh, with us now, uh, my friend, Alec Olin-Salen. What's up there, Alec? Owen, oh, good to be on, Chris. Thanks for having me. Uh, another beautiful day down here in Florida. That was quite the intro. I guess. Listen, um, the fighting in the hockey, where did this come from? Well, I mean, I, it started probably at a young age. Like uh, like you'd mentioned before, growing up in the Midwest, uh, we had the Quad City Mallards. Uh, and those in the old United Hockey League team up there in the UHL at the time. Um, and their games were always, you'd always, you know, see fights, especially in the minor leagues and stuff like that. And Like, how old were you then? Oh, man, I was probably two years old. And the thing that I think that draws me to it, and I always remember, is my uncle, we'd be at the games and a fight would break out. And, of course, I'd be so small. I'd, I'd be anywhere from two to seven when we'd go to these games. And he'd have to pick me up and hold me up so I could see the fights because I was too short because, of course, when everybody fights in hockey – uh, the crowd stands up. So uh, that's kind of what I remember the most about it, actually. Now, did you stop playing hockey out there after you were watching hockey for a while? Did you stop playing minor hockey at all out in that uh, way you were living? No, we moved to Florida when I was two years old. So um, I would just go back there every winter. So that's how I was able to catch the games out there in the Midwest. Um, and I really didn't. I, I played hockey for a, a hot second when I was probably about four or five years old and then we moved away from the rink so uh finding finding a rink out in florida was a little little hard at the time <laughs> hockey wasn't quite as big as it is now around the area yeah and it is big obviously tampa bay lightning uh we know what happened to them last year but uh you're a tampa <laughs> fan i know that but uh, i guess uh, for our listeners uh, let them in on how uh, our relationship began well, I was, um, oh man, I had to have been either, I think about 17 going on 18 in high school, uh, or just about to graduate. And, um, I had an ex-girlfriend at the time and uh, I was always watching your last gladiators documentary you had. It always interested me because of course I'd always been interested in fighting and hockey and I found it on Netflix one day and I, if it was a VHS, I would have wore the reels off the <laughs> thing because I watched it probably almost every day after school <laughs> for like a solid month and a half, um, and somehow, someway, she was able to get in contact with, I think, either you or Jamie, and you ended up sending me a letter, um, kind of giving me a, a little push for the military and saying, you know, how good it would be and uh, stuff like that to kind of get me motivated to go in. And then next thing I know, you ended up uh, calling me one day. And it was, that had to have been probably about two months before I went to boot camp. And um, we kept in touch ever since then. And then uh, in and out of the military, of course, it's a little bit hard to get get time off to go up to Canada. <laughs> so yeah. um, once I finally got out of the military after four years, you uh, said the offer was still open. So we came up to visit you up in Montreal and went to a couple, or we went to uh, the Montreal Canadiens and Bruins game. And um, 
we've been in touch ever since. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny, and I go back because I get a lot of fan mail, and I answer everything. And I got this letter, and I read it from you, your ex girlfriend, uh, now ex girlfriend, um, and and she wrote the letter as like, he's my boyfriend. He seems like he's having some, you know, he, he, he's not sure what direction he wanted to go. And I know I'm in, in writing that letter, I uh, mentioned the. Uh, military as maybe a way to get some discipline in your life and get going in a good direction. You end up going in the Marine Corps. How was that for you? Oh, I mean, it was a, a, probably the best, worst time you'll ever have. <laughs> it's the best way to describe it. Um, I, I don't regret anything. I had a great time, and I'm still friends to this day with everybody I, uh, I came in touch with in the military. And it was a great time, you know, driving. I kind of missed it some days. I was driving trucks, big armored vehicles, and, now I'm kind of driving a work truck around, so it's a little bit different, same concept. But, um, no, it was a good time. And, uh, you know, if anybody's ever thinking about going to the military, whether it's four years or 20 years, you know, hey, do it. I don't you don't hold anything against you. Or, uh, it's a very great opportunity for you to go in there. In conversation with Alec Olin-Salen, uh, the uh, star of the podcast, Five for Fighting. What do you got, Matty? What's you know I hear a lot about these uh, military trainings. There's a lot of documentaries and TV shows about out there about pe- regular people going through Marine training. What was the hardest thing? You know, something that you never expected out of the Marine training. Oh man, um, probably how how much you don't sit down. Probably. I mean, I, I was I was lucky. I had actually really good recruiters who. Um, you know, really got me, got, got all of us in shape at our recruiting station and really actually pretty much uh, they turn into like drill instructors. And uh, for those listening, drill instructors is kind of like the drill sergeant, but it's the, just the Marine, uh, the Marine Corps version of it. And um, no, probably how much you, you just, you're on your feet and you're moving 24-7. You'd think you'd have at least some little break, but <laughs> you definitely don't. Um, that and honestly, because like I said, they geared me so well for it. I was ready for all the yelling and the screaming and everything like that. That was fine, but uh the haircuts, getting a haircut wasn't fun either. It was like getting getting clipped with sheep's ears. They gouge your head, head, don't they? Oh yeah, you come out and you got you're bleeding on your head. And you got to have your <laughs> one of your uh, buddies, like you know, dab dab your head with like uh, tissue to get the blood off. So that was that was honestly probably my least favorite part about boot camp. Everything else, like I said, my recruiters uh, prepared me very well for it. Yeah, they want to make sure you keep your hair short, so they gouge your head and then. You do it, and you keep it short so they don't rip your head apart, uh, I'm sure. Exactly. Uh, we're talking to Alec Olin-Salen uh, about his uh, love for the uh, fight game in hockey. His podcast is called Five for Fighting on, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, the reviews by the customers, four out of, 4.8 out of 5. Uh, so if you want to take a listen, you can hear the podcast on Five of Fighting. Knuckles was on it on the weekend. Uh, we had a good talk, no question about that. Listen, you're in the fight game, and, and, and you also collect jerseys. How many jerseys you got, and who do you have? Oh, man. Um, I'm probably up to somewhere between 20 jerseys now, I believe. Uh, I got one of yours. I got yours from the 86 playoffs uh, that you had, and I believe you fought Will Payment in it. Because mm-hmm. um, for NHL goes, I've only got two NHL. Actually, I got yours. I got Andre Waugh from the uh, from his last year and playing with the Calgary Flames. And the rest are a lot of minor league guys. And I mean, if, if people are really big into fighting, they'll know some of these names. But uh, Patrick Cote, 
I got his jersey, John Nasty Morasty. A lot of people know him. Yeah. Um, Kerry Toporowski, who had set the um, the Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes one year. Um, so I got his from Las, uh, from the Las Vegas Thunder out in the IHL. Um, I actually got a lot of, and some of your listeners probably know this league, but a lot from the LNAH, that uh, kind of the hockey fight league, they call it, yeah. uh, that's up there in Quebec. So I got quite a few of those as well. All right, so you got the jerseys, you got the tapes, you got everything. So as far as the uh, podcast goes, Five for Fighting, um, uh, some of the guys you have on there, you're obviously talking. How's the following? You get a big following, and, and do people really miss the fight game in hockey as much as I, uh, I guess I think they do? <laughs> um, the following so far, it's a, it's, it's a very niche group, obviously, with especially if kind of it's more so geared for the older fans, I guess. Uh, people who have been fans of hockey for for years um, in the past, but uh, the following is pretty decent. Like I said, it's very it's a very niche group because, of course, fans who kind of get into hockey now they see how how limited the fighting is, and compared to what it was when like a, a player such as yourself used to play when it was probably almost, you know, one and a half, two fights a game um, on average to where it is now to where I think it's like, oh, man, maybe even point three, point four fights for, uh, per game. So it's a very niche group, but um, the people who do listen really love it, and they like hearing, I think, the minor league aspect of it too because, um, well, like players like it's just, uh, such as yourself is kind of the reason I started it because you're very underappreciated and, um, you know, it's the toughest job in sports if you ask me. And so a lot of guys like to hear a lot of the minor league stories, too, because um, their stories go unheard off very often because it's just, you know, a lot of people don't watch the minor league. So um, I don't think my audience is crazy big or anything like that, but the people who do listen to it, I really I really think they enjoy it. Um, I had Peter Zerba, who was number two of all time in the Western Professional Hockey League uh, penalty minutes record. Uh, he was on. And his son had left a review saying, I had never heard stories like that from my dad at all, so that was awesome. Uh, to listen to so stuff like that is really you know kind of why i do it i don't i don't really need to get as big as like you know something like spitting chicklets or anything like that um but just to get stories out there from guys like yourself and the the players who were in the trenches back in the days in hockey because it's just it's a forgotten part of the game and it's on its way out so um you know i like again it's not the biggest audience but i do think the people that uh tune into it definitely enjoy it well it's good you're able to have fun with it and enjoy talking about uh, one of your uh, favorite uh, things uh, about the sport of hockey, and that was fighting. I'm glad I never had to fight that little Morasty guy. I've seen him on a couple of tapes. I'm like, are you kidding me? And there's so many guys, honestly, that uh, back in those days in the minor leagues, they could have they done the fight pot in the National Hockey League, but maybe the playing pot, not so much. And again, um, when you look at uh, a lot of those guys, they certainly could have fought at the NHL level, the guys who were in the minors. There's no question about it in my mind. But, again, uh, you, you had to have to, uh, to be able to play at least a little bit uh, and keep up uh, at the NHL level. Uh, so, Alec, you're a um, uh, Tampa Bay fan, obviously. How disappointed and how surprised were you uh, last year when uh, Columbus slapped them silly in four games? <laughs> um, honestly, not surprised at all. I was actually one of the few to call it. I said, they'll make a first-round exit. And, you know, a lot of the fans, oh, that's not going to happen. You know, they were, uh, you know, they were said almost there. They tied the record for best regular season. I said, well, playoffs are a different animal the way the NHL gears playoffs. Now, back in the day, it used to be, uh, 
you know, regular season games were like playoff games, but in today's uh, hockey world, it's a little bit different. Once playoff starts, uh, refs let a little little things go a little bit more, like the uh, maybe the hooking or some of the slashing that gets called today. Um, you know, they let it go a little bit more. And Tampa didn't quite have that sandpaper play that you need in the playoffs. Even in today's hockey, whether people want to admit it or not, um, there was a reason it was St. Louis and Boston that were in the playoffs last year. Um, you know, look how physical they were. But once Columbus found out that Tampa wouldn't go and get dirty in the corners, I think um, they exploited it and ended up sweeping them. So I, w- I think uh, a lot of the fan base was surprised, but me, myself, I kind of wasn't surprised that much. Um, but they, they stacked up on a little bit more toughness this year, but who would have known what happens if we'll ever get a, uh, get another hockey season this year or if we'll have to wait till next year. But um, I think they could have made a little bit deeper of a run this year if they did. Um, yeah, you know, they certainly that with a little bit more sandpaper. Well, they certainly uh, felt as though they didn't have that toughness. Uh, they went and got, got maroon, and uh, certainly now what's going on in the world with the COVID crisis and the league on pause, um, you got to be chomping at the bit to see hockey again. What do you think? Uh, do you think they finish uh, the regular season and then go in the playoffs, or do they kind of roll it back and just go into playoff hockey? What do you think is going to happen here? It depends on how long it goes for. If I think if we're able to get a season going uh, by the end of May, I think they play out the regular season and then go into playoffs. But I think once you start getting into that June, um, July-ish time, if they still want to have a season, I think they'll go straight into playoffs that way. And um, that way you're not drawing it out because I know you were talking about the draft earlier and stuff like that, and the draft is like it's completely different this year now. Um, and, of course, they might even have it. And if they do, they'll have to carry the draft picks over for next year so. Um, I don't know. It's a gray area, and it's very—it's kind of hard to tell at this point. All right, now I listen. I know I'm your favorite all-time tough guy, and you can't mention my name uh, okay. other than me. Uh, who do you think was the toughest uh, ever in the National Hockey League, as far as the fight and, game? And how, the do you, how do you rate them, Bob Probert? It's got to be. Yeah, um, he could do it all, and. and Here's the thing about Probert, and I've talked about this before with a couple uh, couple fight fans on Twitter and stuff. You know, Probert, Probert could get beat, but the thing about Probert is if you beat him, he would come back and he would get his revenge every single time. And, of course, you know, like a guy like Troy Crowder found that out and um, Domi found it out as well. Um, even though I still – nothing against Ty, I still don't think he won. He, he quite uh, edged out Pro being round one. I think it was more aesthetic. But, um, no, definitely Bob Probert, of course, and he's regarded as the greatest enforcer of all time. Uh, by many hockey fight fans and uh, just hockey fans in general. So it's definitely got to be Proby. So after Proby, who do you put at two? And you can't say me either. <laughs> I can't say you either? No, you All can't. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll go, well, whether I think it's the toughest, I'll say my favorite, uh, would probably have to be Tony Twist in the NHL just because of how big he was. And it was like, you know, he he didn't try to punch at you. He tried to punch through you. And it was, you know, he'd get that right hand going and they would, he would cock it back from like a whole state away and just try to swing through guys. And, you know, the intimidation factor that he would have on guys just from him sitting on the bench um, was something that you wouldn't even see that today. So I definitely like Tony Twist, kind of his outlook on enforcers and the job itself, like he mentioned in the documentary um, with you over there at The Last Gladiators and some of the outtakes you could find on YouTube. Um, over at my buddy Darren's channel at Fourth Line Voice, um, you can look that channel up and he's got all the outtakes of your – um, DVD on there. Oh, he does. Uh, and oh, Tony that's... Twist <laughs> lays the blueprint out for it, and it was awesome. So I got to say, Tony Twist. 
Yeah, okay. All right. So that's the NHL. How about uh, the minor leagues? Uh, who do you think was the toughest all-time down there? Now, that Morasti kid was tough. How about you know, Joel the Animal? Terrio. Oh, Joel the Animal Terrio. Yeah, he's definitely up there. He, he, I mean, he played years out in the uh, the Quebec League, the LNH, and um, he actually had some good years out in the ECHL and stuff, too. And actually, I think he played a couple games in the AHL. But Joel, Joel the Animal, he did it for years. Uh, yeah, Terrio, he was a definitely tough guy and he was well respected in the lnh and um man he he fought everybody and anybody and of course uh out in the lnh you get some of the crazy brawls that happen and they, you know if a brawl is happening when terrio's on the team he's right in the mix um definitely up there for one of the all-time toughest minor league guys for sure yeah it's funny i had the opportunity to work out with him uh we had the same personal trainer i worked out with him a few times that man is huge, like, and oh, he is yeah. an animal. Like, I couldn't believe how big he was. I'm like, but that's the same as when I met Dave Brown and Daryl Stanley, the two of them. Uh, we were in Philadelphia at a, um, a thing last year called uh, Fight Night in Philly, and they had Terry O'Reilly there, Moose DuPont, myself, Bob Kelly, um, Daryl Stanley, and Dave Brown. I knew Brownie was big, and I fought Stanley a few times, but I could not believe how big Daryl Stanley was his hands. I just I that was a guy I just didn't think was as big as he was. And here I was fighting him, and I'm like, wow. I I stood next to the two of them. I was like, I look like little Peanut Sam there. Uh, I'm telling you, I was so small. Uh, Alec, listen, uh, I wish you all the luck with uh, the podcast moving forward. And if I can help you at any time, other than being on because I was already on there, and I. I'd always be willing to come back, but if you need uh, any help at some point reaching out and getting some new guests, you can always get in touch with Knuckles, all right? I greatly appreciate that, Chris. I can't thank you enough for having me on the show. All right, pal. You take care and um, stay safe. Absolutely. You as well. All right. Good enough. Alec Olin-Salen, 